want you to react to the following statement. Many wives want more for their husbands than the husbands want for themselves. Now, in that, I would say to you that what happens to us men is just like what happens to all of us. We comply with the culture that we're in. We comply with what we're expected to do most of the time. And what that means for men, men have been given a, they've given a a template, they've given a way that they're supposed to act, a way that they're supposed to be able to to, uh, show themselves as men. And in many cases, what that means is, is that they go to work, they work very hard, and then they get their, in fact, they get all of their accolades, they get all of their their, uh, praises and everything else out of their work. And so they work harder and harder sometimes so that when they get to Sunday, they take the day off. They take the day off so often either sometimes to work some more, they do that, or the sometimes they go fishing and they go hunting and they go things like that. And it's nothing wrong with doing that on a one-time basis or a couple-of-time basis, but what happens is they do it again and again and again and again and again. They end up doing that again and again and again. And somewhere down the line, they misunderstood that there's there's a whole lot of difference between resting the axe and sharpening the axe, if you understand what I'm saying. And so what they do is, is that as they fall into this, they get into not even wanting more for themselves. Now, some of these men, some of these men will have some kind of a Christian testimony. They say they are Christians because they were raised in a Christian home. They have some manner of a profession of faith. They can tell you that when I was six, I walked down the aisle. Or what, or, and I got baptized, possibly. But they have no idea, really no idea, what following Christ is and having faith in him. They have gone to church enough that they can answer the questions that we could ask them. But in reality, it's just, it's just rote answers that they have memorized so the wives they know this is not good for their families so the wife so often packs up the kids and takes the kids and her they go to church and the and the boys in that family i'll tell you what's going to happen the boys in that family will get will uh, comply with mom until they get to a certain age and then they're going to start saying no i'm not doing this anymore dad doesn't have to do it i want to be a man too i'm not going either these are the kinds of things that we see so wives actually would love for their husbands to worship with them. I'm not talking about just simply attending worship together. They want them to worship with them. But the problem is, so many times, the husbands don't know the Lord. They really don't. Oh, yes, they've been to church. Yes, their parents took them to church. All of that is absolutely true. But the lack of church attendance for many is the symptom rather than the problem. And we've got to acknowledge that somewhere down the line. So what should the wives do? There are so many wives. I'm going to tell you this what happens. So many wives that will attend church without their husbands. In fact, years ago, we started a whole Sunday school class with that purpose alone. That that we had wives in it and we were hoping that we could get somehow get their husbands to start attending. 
So what are wives are supposed to do? Are they supposed to hound those husbands until they finally come? That, they've tried that. Or, they try, or maybe this is a better one. Call their mothers and tell their mothers to tell them to come. Yeah, that ought to work, shouldn't it? Or just make them feel guilty for missing their children in church. But that's what, not what the scripture says. The scripture chooses none of these. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Let's see. Here was the situation here. See, wives are to subject to their husbands if they want to win them to the Lord. This is what Peter is telling them. This is a word from God, I believe, because I don't think a man could figure this out. I'm just telling you the truth. I don't think a man could have figured this out. I think this had to be a word from God. So, because this seems like the least likely act that would be required. It seems like they ought to take some kind of active role in this to get their husbands to do this. But let's look at the culture of the day. The day that this was written, in the middle of the first century... A wife was expected to adopt the religion of her husband. When she got married to that man, she was to adopt his religion. If she did not, she was considered unfaithful to her husband. Realize, and what has happened here? Some of the wives have become Christians. And because they have become Christians... Their husbands are considering them unfaithful to them. Does unfaithfulness cause a little tension in the home? Think about that for a little bit. And this is the culture that we're in at this point. So what do you do normally when you want something for somebody? Do you, you urge them to do it, right? I urge you to, to join me in this. Or then you tell them how good it is. You say, oh, this is so good. You cannot believe how good this is. Our, our next thing is, is that we belittle them for not going along with us. You don't know what you're missing. And, you know, Peter says something else. He says, submit so that you relieve the tension in the home. Because with, explain this to you. When you give tension, you know what you get back? You get tension. When so you push you get pushback. It's, 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 it's kind of crazy. Uh, you know what happens if you yell at somebody? What do they do? They yell back at you. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the folks are out here. I, I asked them to leave these back doors open a few weeks ago. I said it's more distracting to open the doors and people coming in, coming out, and all of that kind of stuff. And they said, but, but when there are people that are down the hallway down here, when they come in, they come in and say, good morning. And it comes all the way down here. They don't realize that. There's nothing wrong with them. That's what happens. And they said, but and we tell them to be quiet and they get, they get upset with us. I said, instead of saying, when they say, good morning, and they say it loud, you say, good morning. And you watch what happens. They will respond back in the same way. You see, that's what happens. Take the tension out of the home. Quit pushing forward. You know, it, it's amazing to me what, how we, we deal with things. When somebody disagrees with us, what do we do? We tell them our point of view louder. Does that work? It's not because they can't hear. You see, when we push, they push back. 
So the wife who wants to win her husband must submit to remove the tension that is in the home. That doesn't mean she starts practicing his religion. I'm not talking about that. And I think there's a lot of wives that have done that. You know what that religion is? To stay home and try to join them in whatever they're doing. I mean, the the thing that I'm seeing now is, is that if the guy plays golf, the wife says, well, I tell you what, I'll just go play golf with him. And then she's uh, she's taking the religion he has, his religion of golf. You know, he's he's, uh, got Pastor Green that he's uh, worshiping with every Sunday. And so that's what happens with a lot of them. But here's the story. Wife, comply whenever you can accommodate your husband without violating your faith in Jesus. Whenever you can, do so. And then Peter says this, and this is interesting. He says, let him see your godly behavior. That word that I I believe they translated it differently in this one. It's, yeah, this word is conduct in this one. This word conduct is related to the Greek word that means to walk. And that should uh, resonate with us. Because we talk about our Christian walk. In other words, a conduct that reflects that Jesus is your Lord. You follow Jesus. You do what Jesus says. And you have a Christian walk. And it says, and within this area, we will see a testimony of example rather than a testimony of words. And so that the wife's conduct will be her Christian testimony that she is giving to her husband rather than preaching to him and trying to get him to believe. For, and say this, the words... The words of a true Christian testimony, you know, lived out is, they're confusing to the non-believer. A true Christian testimony lived out is confusing to the non-believer. Why is that? Because it is spiritual. It is a spiritual thing. And that makes no sense. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. They are foolishness to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. This individual that they are trying to get to come to church and they're trying to become a Christian does not have a live spirit. A live spirit meaning that their spirit can respond to the Holy Spirit. And what they are doing is, is that they're trying to put everything in human terms and understand this. And so when they see that wife start to walk that christian walk you know what their first reaction is she'll get over this she'll get over this it's sort of like when i used to go to the ymca and every year in january the place is packed out and i remember i mean i was there with the regulars you know and we see the place packed out why are the why is the uh the why packed out on uh at the beginning of the year because they all made New Year's resolutions. They're going to get in shape and all this. You know what we all said? I'm talking about the people that went all the time. We can't wait till March. You know why, don't you? They'll get over it. They'll get over it. But when he sees that genuine change that cannot be attributed to anything he knows that you know, has been done to her, then he opens his eyes. When he sees... The peace that passes understanding, he will want to know how. Now, this, the wife, the wife must learn one thing. One thing she must learn. She will never see her husband, uh, save her husband, rather. She will never save her husband. That's not what she needs to learn. She, uh, second thing, she will never bring him to conviction. You know what? That's not what she needs to learn. 
She will never argue him into submission for le- that leads to salvation. That's not it either. She needs to know all those things. She can only plant the seed. Here's what she really needs to know, though. It is God, God who gives life. That's what she must know. She cannot make him be saved. You cannot save anybody. Not any of us can. Now, what we can do is like when, you know, if you want to, you know, you say you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Give him a salt block and see what happens. Once he has that salt, he licks on that salt, he becomes thirsty. And so what we do is we make them thirsty. Let's go on to verse uh, 3 here. It says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of clothing. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is God, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Here's what he says. The attention you seek should come from your walk with the Lord rather than what you wear. Now, here's the deal. I still think he's talking about winning their husbands to the Lord. I think this is in the context of this. See, this is not a command, by the way, for women to dress shabbily, not to wear any gold or to uh, uh, not to have any hair care. None of that. But the rich women of the middle of the first century were godly dressed in gold and elaborate braids for their hair. And they gained attention through this. Unfortunately, the world has taught women from the beginning that they should dress in a manner to gain attention. This is the world's method of getting attention for women. And so women that are taught by the world to gain attention, what they do is, is that they're doing it. Not just, there's nothing wrong with looking pretty. Understand that. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, is that when it becomes, that is how you want to gain attention. That's what you want known about you. Then in your steam is by your physical appearance. That is the struggle that we have here. So as we're dealing with the context of winning our husbands to the Lord, the women should change their manner of dress and demeanor to reveal a Christ-focused lifestyle as a testimony of their faith. And so what should they put on? What does the scripture say there? They would further be dressed in a gentle and a quiet spirit. That word gentle applies to those who are meek and humble. Therefore, they are ready to be taught by the Lord. Woman should have that kind of an, an attitude in the sense that she's ready to be taught by the Lord. It's a statement of preparedness. It makes the person adaptive to the situation rather than demanding of certain rights. And this is the problem that we have a lot of times in the tension that is going on. It's intended, it is not intended to diminish the, uh, the woman's worth or abilities. <clears throat> now the word for quiet, <clears throat> excuse me. It is probably a compound, which means keeping one's seat. <laughs> it, it appears to me to be an encouragement to let those things that you can let go, just let them go. 
those things that maybe there's a little bit of something on the edge, you say, just let it go. Let it go. It is evident by warnings in the Old Testament that women were not always gentle and quiet. I read some of those to you of, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'll read some of those again today. Proverbs 21.9. It is better to live in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 21.19, 10 verses after that. It is better to live in the desert land than with a quarrelsome and a fretful woman. So you can understand that in some cases, the women were not gentle and they were not quiet. You know, men, I will say this, ladies, and you may not know this. Men may be stronger physically. But typically, I'm not saying 100% of the time, typically, we're weaker with words than you are. And you have the ability to beat us up with your words. I'm just going to tell you the way it really works for us. You can beat us up with your words because you have an, an, an acumen with words that we just do not have. Men, I mean, they can sit and fish together for two hours and not do anything but grunt at each other. You understand? Uh, women don't typically do that sort of thing. And so while men may be physically stronger, men are weaker and they go and they, and they go. On. Let me read verse 5 again. I read it a minute ago, but I'm going to read verse 5 again. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. Holy women adorn themselves with an attitude of submission to see their husbands follow the Lord. Holy women are prepared to hear a word from the Lord and share it with their husbands. Their beauty will appear more brilliantly when their husbands finally come to know the Lord. The character of a wife who seeks her husband's salvation is not fearing when fear is natural as well. Let me read verse 6 again to you. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Well, see, it would be, you know, I think it'd be strange to call your husband Lord right now. Though my wife sometimes, you know, when she's, I mean, you know, I get in bed and she says, Lord, your feet are cold. But uh, that's a different story there, you know. But that's not the point. Sarah was not trying to win Abraham over to the Lord it's just an example of the submission. And you are in her image if you do good and do not fear anything frightening. Now, most commentators say that that last phrase is confusing. Now, what is it that is frightening? Well, let me explain. And this is very important for you that are married especially. There are two things in a marriage that will help a marriage work. There are two things that I'll tell you about. The husband should be admired now, I'm going to tell you what the story on this is. It says, the reason that you got together, I'll tell you, ladies, is because at least in the beginning, you admired your husband. You told him, I mean, you, you know, you can't, I mean, I remember some of the things that uh, my wife's friends told me that she had said about me. And oh boy, that made me feel so good. You know, when we were dating, you know, that was the sort of thing. It's about, you know, and, and men will go where they're admired. I'm going to tell you up front, they will go where they're admired. If it's at work, that's where they'll go. And the other thing is, the wife needs to be secure. You know, there are, so what happens is, is that when men work so hard to be admired, then they go to where they'd be admired, they'll stay where they're admired. And whether they, and, and here's the other thing, men have come up now with something called self-admiration. 
And you cannot believe this, but they will play video games. And because they are good at the video games, they will, com- they will compliment themselves and say how good I am. And you got the men that are caught up today, younger men that are caught up in playing video games. I did not understand it until I started to understand why they were doing it. And I realized that what they're doing is they're gathered around that, that video game and they're, they're having an accomplishment. I beat this level. I'm at such and such and I do whatever it is because I don't, I don't have any desire to do that sort of thing. But on the other side of this, men will sometimes act within the home to take away the security of the wife. And this is very, very important in the home. You see... A husband can neglect his wife. He can pay attention to another woman. And in those ways, he takes away the security of the wife. Or he could go out and borrow money so that he gets them in deep debt and gives them in a, puts her in a position of not knowing where their next meal is going to be or whether their future is going to be there. Or he can just plain old spend all the money that they have so that they have nothing left in the bank. Or the husband can lose his job, lose his job because of something that he's done. It's maybe that it is his own fault and he takes away that security. Or he can take to the drinking and to drugs. Or, and these things will remove the security in the home. Now there's other times. There are other times that can scare women. Let me tell you this. And they have nothing to do with what the husband does. It, man, the, the, maybe the husband loses a job and it isn't his fault. He just flat out, it just happens and he loses his job. Or the child gets sick, and there's nothing that makes a woman more insecure than her own child being sick. Or there's a car wreck, or there's some kind of uh, tragedy, or or a disease, a a cancer, or something that comes into the lives. And these, these things take away the security. And so, instead of obvious fear, the wife has peace, is what he says. You want to stand out? You want your husbands to notice it? You have peace when there is an obvious insecurity. In other words, here's, here's what happens so often. The husband loses the job. Maybe it's not his own, it's not even his fault. And instead of, of dealing with it with peace, what does she say? What are we going to do? What are we going to pay the bills? We're going to lose our house. How are we going to put our kids through college? These things do not help. They're showing fear. When there should be peace, if you have a Christian uh, testimony in this. Now, how do you get that? Let's be honest. How do you get that? In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, that's what you're looking for, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heights, hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, it is... God's peace that now takes over in her life. She has the peace in the middle of the storm. And while the husband is there, he's worried. He's worried, I lost my job. I don't know where it's going to come from. She has peace. And I want to tell you what, it stands out in the relationship. One of my seminary professors got cancer. And uh, I listened to a tape of his testimony. And I can't give you to you verbatim, but I'm going to do it the best of my memory as I can. He got, a, he got a cancer that was going to kill him. And when the diagnosis was confirmed, he got, you know, they had the biopsies or whatever it was. He was still in the hospital. When it came and it was confirmed, he said, 
his wife came into the room and she had peace all over her. And she said, it's going to be okay. And I remember these words, and I I don't know if this is a, a, a quote, but I do remember. He said, she had the look of a woman who had been with the Lord. That's the peace. That's the peace. You know what that means? That means that she had taken the Bible seriously. She had prayed with thanksgiving to the Lord until his peace became her peace. Most people don't do that. Most people run off and start yelling and crying and all the other things that happens. And what happened there when this, let's say your husband loses his job. You know, and for men, often that's his worth as well. And see, he leans on her. You know why? Because she has peace. And a a man that, I'm going to tell you this, a man that does not recognize there is something greater than religion going on here is a fool. Because he should open his eyes. He should be able to see this. And so... He is extremely callous if he can still resist the Holy Spirit calling him to come to the Lord when he stands through that. I will tell you that's really the way it is. Now, I want to tell you this up front because I want you to understand. Peter presents a principle, not a promise. And I say this to you, and I understand this. I cannot tell you that if you ladies, there's some of you that are out there, that you have a husband and, and he's not coming to church. And it may be, in reality, it's not, because, it's not because he's just backslid. It's because he never slid in the first place. He really never came to know the Lord. And you want to win him to the Lord? I cannot tell you guaranteed that if you act this way, that you're going to see him come to know the Lord. I cannot guarantee you in that. But I will say to you this. You can make the situation such that you take that tension away. And therefore, you have brought him closer and closer in. He can still reject. I recognize that. But what I wanted you to know is, is that the Lord shall be your helper through all of this. He will give you the peace that you need to have. And he will take that tension out of your home. And he can lead you or lead him to the Lord. Pray with me, please. Father, I pray for all the ladies who 